This is interesting that we can make a valid biblical argument here that he's writing to true believers or at least professed believers. So let's hypothetically say that he's writing to all true converts, true people that have been regenerated. Let's hypothetically argue this. What is he saying then? Well, here's what he's saying. (laughs) We can still be deceived. He can still be carried off in error. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Oh, Father, we come before you in a simple prayer today of have thine own way, have thine own way. God, I pray that we would hallow your name in this place today. I pray that you would move in power, that you would stir. Give us soft, tender hearts that would receive the Word of God gladly. And God, anything that good that happens today, we deflect and give You all the praise and all the glory. Oh, great God of the Bible, I pray that You'd hide me behind the shadows of the cross. Give me a fervor, a divine unction that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. May we sense His presence. May we sense His leading. May we boldly obey regardless of the cost. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3, 14-18. The concluding verses that we're looking at in our study through this wonderful book and The title which I took right from the verses is simply this, don't be carried away by error. Don't be carried away by error. How do we not in this culture that is so off the rails, that is so against biblical truth, that hates God, that hates Jesus, that murders babies, that indoctrinates kids and tells them that you're really not a boy, you're really not a girl. Marriage is not between one man and one woman according to the culture. How do you not get carried away by error when you're inundated by this all week long? There's only one answer, and it's to keep your face in the book. If you wonder why I'm so passionate about the Word of God, I've shared this before, 
but I was that lukewarm guy. Grew up in a pastor's home, walked an aisle, raised a hand, said a prayer, did a cartwheel, signed the card, on my way to heaven. No, lost as a goose. Because only those who surrender their lives to King Jesus may enter into His rest. How will you, how will I not get carried away in these end times? And we are in the end times, there's no doubt. It is pushing forward at a rapid pace. How will you and I not get carried away by air, by the poison that's around you and around me? Vance Havner, the old-time preacher years ago, said it like this. Listen closely. The devil is not fighting religion. He's too smart for that. He's producing a counterfeit Christianity. So much like the real one that good Christians are afraid to speak out against it. We are plainly told in the Scriptures that in the last days, men will not endure sound doctrine. And they will depart from the faith and heap to themselves teachers to tickle their ears. We live in an epidemic of this itch. And popular preachers have developed ear-tickling into a fine art, end quote, Vance Havner. As we conclude our study, look with me quickly in 2 Peter chapter 3, 14 through 18. I pray your Bible's open and your notes are ready to hear from the Holy Spirit. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, hmm, what's these? We'll find out here in a moment. Be diligent to do what? To be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. Fifteen, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Interesting. Sixteen, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other Scriptures. 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. 18, but... Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And all God's people said. 14 through 16 in the Bible in front of you says these words, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, looking for the day of the Lord is what he's talking about in the preceding verses the new heavens, the new earth. He gives a command here. He says, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. It means this in the original language, to to make haste, to exert maximum effort, 
Do not be spiritually indifferent, is what he's saying. When Peter is writing here, he is imploring these professed believers. Remember, the group he's writing to is so important. He's writing to professed believers of that time that are being mistreated. They're going under heavy persecution. And here Peter is saying, look, look towards the reward. Don't look at the things that are seen. Look towards the reward. And as you're looking, he says, be diligent. Don't be asleep at the wheel. Don't listen to the nonsense. He says, be diligent, make haste, maximum effort. Do not be spiritually lukewarm, indifferent. And this is very interesting. When you look in the Bible in front of you, it says these words, be diligent to be found by him. Isn't this interesting? We live in a world where we're so often trying to impress everyone but Jesus. Because that's what the world wants us to do, right? Instead of having your face in the book, show off a non-true story on Facebook. No, the only one we want to please is Jesus. That we'd be diligent no matter the cost, no matter the pushback, no matter the gossip, no matter the lies, the slander, we press on. Why? Because look at the next part of this. This is so beautiful. As you look down there in 16, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. Talking about Paul. Now, when Paul's writing, he wrote some things that were a little tricky, a little difficult to understand, but with spiritual eyes and discernment, we could see them so clearly. But he makes this comment, Peter does, which the ignorant, the spiritually immature and unstable, those not spiritually anchored, they twist, they distort, they deceive, they seduce, they lure away. It literally means this in the Greek. There was this thing called the torture rack. And this torture rack is where you'd have your arms and your legs in this rack and you would become twisted. You would become distorted, if you will, your body physically. That's the imagery that Peter's giving here. He's saying, don't fall into the foolishness. Don't be carried away. Because why? It's to whose destruction? Did you notice this in your Bible in front of you? Who gets destroyed? It's their own. See, when we pursue evil, when we walk in evil, when we go along with the crowd that's following evil, we ourselves get the stone rolled back on us. It's our own destruction that Peter is dealing with here. And he says these words, as they also do the other scriptures. See, these wolves in sheep's clothing that he's referring to are master twisters of the scripture. They got a PhD in twisting. Not twister the game, but twisting the truth to help it be plausible and to Soften the narrative so that it makes them look good is what he's referring to. Because you got to remember, these people were attacking the truth tellers in his day, and there's still people to this day that attack the truth tellers. That's why we must be on our guard. And that's why I wrote down this key number one. If you are a true believer in Christ, 
Do all that you can to live a life well-pleasing to Him. Key number one, write it down. If you are a true believer in Christ, it's true, it's not false, it's real, not phony, it's genuine, not baloney, do all that you can to live a life that's well-pleasing to Him. Church, you, you got to understand this. I said it even this morning, earlier. You will never stumble into holiness by accident. It will never happen. You don't just wake up one day going, wow, this is amazing. It, it takes effort, not for salvation, from salvation, that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It actually means this, to work on our salvation with fear and trembling. We, we work on it. We, we do something. Way too many people in all my years of ministry are those that have, in so many cases, quote-unquote, got saved and just sat down. And they haven't grown. <laughs> Any growth. If anything, there's a regression. I'm saved. Is that what the Bible describes a truly saved person as? Is that what sanctification really is? Ongoing change, becoming more like Christ, is just sitting down and regressing? Of course not. Burke Parsons said it like this. Listen to his quote. So powerful. Burke Parsons. May our passion for Christ always be greater than our passion for an easy and comfortable life, end quote. Be willing, church, to be a fool for Christ. Be willing. Just be willing to be a fool. Be willing to be that one that stands in the gap. Be willing to live in holy discomfort. Be willing to lose friends and your job even. Be willing. Just be willing to lay it all on the line for Jesus. Nothing, listen to me, church, nothing in this world, nothing. Not your 401k, not your retirement, not your house, not your cars, not your spouse, not your life will ever compare to the glory which shall be revealed on that day. <laughs> when we stand face to face with the king, nothing will compare. And my fear is there's way too many professing believers that are way too in love with this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 6 through 9 says it like this. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9. So we are always of good courage. I love that. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by, help me, church, faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. He repeats it. He's a repeater. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Verse 9, so whether we are at home or away, either way, he says, Paul does to the church in Corinth, we make it our aim to please Him. Why? Well, if you're truly saved, if it's real... We must all appear, listen to this closely, if you're truly saved today, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You say, wait a minute, I'm in heaven. Well, that's true, but you got to understand this, if you study scripture in totality, that there will be rewards in heaven. 
Don't just live a life as a professed believer going, man, I'm glad I just skated in by the skin of my teeth. That's no way to live. Live on the edge. Count everything else as loss. That's the way to live. That's a life well lived. Because we will, all true believers, will be at the bema seat of Christ, and we will be judged for the reward. I love what Paul goes on and says in Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 10. Galatians 1, 6 through 10. Listen to what he writes now to the church in Galatia. He says this, and you can just get the sense in his tone that he's ticked. He's ticked. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Church, pause here for a moment. Satan has a gospel, he's got a gospel. Not that there is another one, referring to the true gospel he's referring to. There's only one true gospel. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort, twist, there it is, deceive the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. It means this, let him be damned. Let him literally, if we preach a different gospel, if I get up here and I preach a message to you to tickle your ears, to make you feel good, to draw a crowd, but it's not the true gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible right here tells me that I'm to be accursed, to be damned. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a contrary gospel to the one you receive, let him be accursed. He repeats it again. And then he says these words, verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? So you can only please one, you can't please both. If you're riding the fence, you got to remember Satan owns a fence. Where am I trying to please man? Here it is. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You talk about powerful words. If any of you are in the man-pleasing business today, I say get out, resign immediately. It's going to cost you dearly. God will hold you accountable. He's looking for people that will please Him and serve Him and surrender everything to Him. That's why I love Acts chapter 5. Read it later. It's an incredible chapter, like all chapters are in the Bible. But Acts 5.29, Peter responds. He says, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. I love this. That's bold, isn't it? I mean, we need some bold men and women, don't we? They'll just stand up for the truth that are willing to no longer sit on their hands and go, you know what? This isn't right. I'm going to stand up for this. I mean, we are in a man crisis like never before in America. It's crazy what's going on. We got men, grown men, living in adolescence when they should be leading, but they're following. And they're following the crowd off the cliff. Remember, there's only one right side of the truth, church. There's only one right side of the truth. I'm telling you, make sure you're on the right side. God will require a heavy price as you read those verses. He will require a heavy price of all of those that choose to stay on the wrong side of the truth. Be bold, be courageous. The only way for evil to triumph, as the old saying goes, is for good men to do nothing. 
Key number one, again, if you're a true believer in Christ, do all that you can to live a life well-pleasing to Him. So what does He go on and say in verse 17? Peter, that is. You therefore, beloved. See, He loves them, but He's speaking truth to them. He loves them so much, He's willing to say the hard things. Knowing this beforehand, take care. Very interesting words. Take care that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless people and lose your own stability. Listen very closely here, church. When he says these words, look at your Bible. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, so you know this, it's not like, well, I didn't know. You can't plead that ignorance is the, is the flavor of the day here. No, you can't. Take care. He's saying, warning, warning, be on your guard. Be on your guard from the smooth talkers. Why? That you're not carried away with the air. It literally means this in the Greek, to be sedated, to be distracted, to be diverted. When someone's sedated, you're going into surgery, how alert are you typically? Well, prayerfully, not much. Amen? They're going to put a knife in you. That'd be kind of weird. He's literally giving the imagery in this phraseology here that when you are to take care, you're to be on your guard. Be on your guard from all the deception all the seduction that's around you and me, we've got to be on our guard. The enemy's right there. He's looking. He says this, that you are not carried away, that you are not sedated, that you are not loopy. Way too many people are loopy spiritually. They're eating Twinkies and Twizzlers spiritually, and they're living a spiritual Twinkie and Twizzler life. For, for those that, that feast on the nourishment of the Word... And you don't have to be a scholar. It just takes effort. People say, well, how do you memorize all these Scriptures? It's taken years, years of being a self-feeder in the Word, digging into the Word, writing on the tablet of your heart. Because when those trials come, when the temptations come, not if, but when they come, what's in you will come out of you. And if it's all man-pleasing fluff, good luck. Good luck. Did you notice, by the way, in this phrase of 17, this verse, did you notice that when we listen and buy into what other people are saying, when it's not true, we are the ones that get carried away into the air, and we begin to lose our own stability. It means this, the original, to start to wobble. Have you ever been around someone, maybe a child who grew up in the church, but they, they get older and then they've kind of made this declaration that, you know what, that was fine, you know, loved it, great, but it's just not for me. They begin to wobble, don't they? This is interesting that we can make a valid biblical argument here that he's writing to true believers or at least professed believers. So let's hypothetically say that he's writing to all true converts, true people that have been regenerated. Let's hypothetically argue this. What is he saying then? Well, here's what he's saying. <laughs> we can still be deceived. He can still be carried off in air. 
You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. That's why I wrote down key number two. And I said this. One primary way in which people get carried away with spiritual error and lose their own spiritual stability is by listening to gossip. Let me say that again, key number two. One primary way in which people get carried away with spiritual error and lose their own spiritual stability is by listening to gossip. You guys ever been to even like a church gathering where it turns into a gossip fest? That's honoring to God. Ever played the telephone game before? You remember the telephone game as kids? Maybe you played as adults. That'd be really weird, but maybe you'd do that. You know, you sit in a circle, you got like 19 people, and to the first person you go, um, psh, 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 the color's red, the color's red. And by the time it gets to the 19th person, they say it's going to rain and we love chocolate chip cookies. I mean, it's crazy how this stuff works, isn't it? It's exactly what gossip does. See, gossip, gossip does this. It's a tasty trifle to the person that's receiving it, but it always harms and damages innocent people. Always. They will begin to do the new thing I'm learning, which is called ghosting. Ghosting. Ghosting, right? Spooky. Ghosting. You know what ghosting is, right? Well, I heard something about you, and now I'm no longer going to communicate with you, even if I don't know it's true. <laughs> wow. That's why Proverbs tells us that that silence is deafening for sure. And Proverbs 26.20 says it like this, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, no gossiper, quarreling ceases, comes to an end. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man, referring to mankind, men and women, for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer, a gossip, are like delicious morsels. They taste so good. They go down into the inner parts of the body. I mean, we love a good story about people wrecking their lives, don't we? That's the twisted, demonic <laughs> deception of humanity, that we actually love to get in on the juice when someone else's life has fallen apart because it makes us feel better. You talk about weird. But that's what the human soul does. Luke 6 goes on like this, Jesus is not happy. And he says these words in Luke 6, 43-49, Listen closely, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Here it is. For each tree, each person is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. Here it is. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And then Jesus, ticked off, says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? 
Why do you profess to know me, but you won't obey me, is what he's saying. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, obeys, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and he laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood arose and the stream broke against the house, it could not shake it. Why? Because it had been well built. However, 49, but the one who hears, I heard it, sounded great, but does not do them, ignores, disobeys, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, and when the stream broke against it, immediately, without delay, it fell. And the ruin of the house was great. Oh, church, I pray we'd be on our guard, not just from the big sins of life, even though there are no big-slash-small sins, but we categorize them as big and small, unfortunately. But I pray we'll be on our guard against gossip. Because key number two, one primary way in which people get carried away, led astray, spiritual error, and lose their own spiritual stability, they begin to wobble, is by listening to gossip. So lastly, look at verse 18. And this is for you who have truly given your life to Jesus. What are you to do? Verse 18, final verse as we conclude this study of First and Second Peter. Here it is. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And all God's people said, but grow. This is an interesting word. In the original language, it's an ongoing word. For the true believer in Christ, you will never truly arrive spiritually till you're glorified in Christ's presence on that day. You are a work in progress until that day. But did you notice I said you're a work in progress? We could say that it's not a sin to be spiritually immature. That's a partially true statement, and here's why. Let me back this up with Scripture. If you're a brand new believer... There is latitude as you are learning and growing. But if you and I are a professing believer for days, weeks, months, years, decades, and we're still spiritually immature, what does that say about the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we claim? Does He not have the power? No, I've learned in my own life that when I am stunted in my spiritual growth, it's because sin in my life is stunting my growth. I think often we just give a pass, most often to ourselves. And that's not what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to grow. Ongoing growth. Not by accident it happens, as I mentioned earlier. 
It takes effort, intentionality. You got to get up. You got to decide to do it. You got to decide to open your Bible. You got to decide to not be a consumer Christian and just look into the church for what you can have and what it can do for you. But you got to decide to be that person that will deny yourself and take up your cross and, and follow Christ. You got to decide to be the one that says that I'll count everything else as lost. You got to decide to be the one that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord got to decide to do that. Because when you're in the fire and the flames are around you, when you're in the waters and they're about ready to overflow you, it's too late. You're looking for exit ramps. you got to decide on the front end to go, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Here's the line right here. I'm going to be the one. And even if it costs me everything, I'm willing to pay the price. What do we grow in? Well, look in your Bible, verse 18, pretty simple. But grow in, number one, the grace. Number two, the knowledge of who? Ourselves? The world? No, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is interesting. So often we use this word grace. I think we use this word grace many times so flippantly. Yes, it means unmerited favor. We get that. But do you understand this, church, from a biblical perspective, the grace of God, which is nothing we earn, there's nothing you and I can do to somehow, God goes, man, you put your name in there. Man, God looks at you and goes, wow, you were amazing today. I think I'm going to overflow your grace tank. It doesn't happen. You can't work for grace. But here's something we miss. Grace is just not a pipeline and a pathway to heaven Grace, the grace of God, also gives us the power to go to war against personal indwelling sin. It's by His grace that we go to war against these things. So often we look at it in just the affirmative, but we forget from the Bible that we see that it gives us the grace to kill what's hindering us. Knowledge, number two. This is so important. I'm astounded over the last many years of how many people don't read their Bibles that profess Christ, how many people don't even bring their Bibles to church that profess Christ. There is so much in this book that I will never fully, truly grasp it on this side of heaven. There's no way. It's way too much. But I know this, that the more that I'm in it and the more that it's in me, and this is a testimony to you, the more your life will be changed. It's interesting, as I was thinking through that, I made this thought. I said, diving deep into Scripture is paramount for the true believer's life. The true believer must be a self-feeder of God's Word on a daily basis to combat the lies and deceptions of the enemy as they're raging around the true believer. It's the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6, look it up later, beautiful chapter there, all the armor of God. It's the one offensive weapon. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he's being led into the wilderness after his baptism, after you know, the party they had for Jesus. They had the streamers, I'm sure, and they had you know, all the horns. They were excited. Jesus got baptized. They probably went to the Golden Corral there, all there in that Holy Land area. And what happens? Well, here's the beauty of it. He goes out into the desert as he's led by the enemy. 
Satan himself leads them, and as Satan is tempting him, as Satan is twisting and distorting, he's distorting the word of God to Jesus himself, Jesus comes back with him with these statements, one after another. He simply says this, it is written. Here's the challenge. It's going to be real hard to know it is written unless you've read and memorized what's been written. If you're going to be able to pull that ammunition out in the time of spiritual battle, you have to have it at your disposal. That's why our last key is this. As I live my life, I must own my personal spiritual growth and may God be glorified in all I do. Key number three, write it down. As I live my life, my, make it your own, I must own, you must own your own spiritual growth and may God be glorified in all that I do. No one else, church, is responsible for my spiritual growth except me. No one is responsible for your spiritual growth except you. You must decide to own it. Can't blame anyone else. We, that's a whole other issue. We talked about on the front end of the message all the just insanity going on. Victimology is a whole other thing. It's always everyone else's fault. We blame everyone else. It started in the Garden of Eden. Right? What are you guys doing? He, she, it, whatever, right? And today it's the same thing. Let me blame everybody else. I'm failing at whatever, but it's not my fault. Own it. Don't play spiritual hot potato. We see that so often, don't we? Don't play it. R.C. Sproul said something that resonated with me recently. He didn't say it recently, but I read it recently. Listen to what he said. I want you to just listen to what he said. Listen deeply to these words, how profound they are. People in awe never complain that church is boring. People in all never complain that church is boring. When's the last time that you stood in awe? <laughs> that you just stood in awe? When's the last time you stood in awe and said, Jesus, I can't believe you did this for me. You did this for me? That Jesus, I know my heart and I know my wickedness and you did this for me? Oh, I stand in awe of you. When's the last time that you just began that the, the Word of God was so welling up inside of you, it was just working inside of you, just doing a mighty work by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it was just welling up in such a way that you just began to become consumed and filled in such a way that, that's the Jesus I want. I don't need stuff. I don't need retirement accounts, sailboats, fancy cars, big houses. I want Jesus. The 
The reality is in our culture today, all across our country on this morning, we try to label all the issues for what they are in Christianity. But if I had to pin it down to one thing, I would say this, we have an all problem. We truly don't stand in awe of Him like we should. And all my heart breaks. It breaks because as R.C. Sproul said, people in awe never complain that church is boring. So how, for you the true believer, how do you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe you're here today going, you know what, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me and, and I'm hearing this and I don't want to play games anymore and gimmicks. That's not what I want to do. We were in Pittsburgh this past week and my heart was just crushed uh, on several fronts, but one, we're at this church last week and right before COVID, they launched this church and they had about 400 people show up and it was a great church, an amazing service and, and last Sunday, there were well under 100 people there. So you see, COVID did something more than give us a disease. COVID revealed the real spiritual disease that's been going on and the apathy and the indifference and the lukewarmness. That's what COVID did. I prayed with that pastor to encourage him to keep pressing on. What will you do as you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Romans 5, or excuse me, Romans 8 says it like this. Romans 8, 5 through 8. Romans 8, 5 through 8. It says it like this, for those who live according to the flesh set, they mislock their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, capital S, set, they mislock, fix, rivet their minds weld to the things of the Spirit, capital S. Now here it is, here's the warning. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Perhaps physical, yes, but certainly spiritual. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Let me read this one more time. For the mind that is set on the flesh is actually going to war against God. So if you're here today and you're like, hey, you know, I love Jesus, but it's not real, and you're in the flesh, you're actually going to war against the God of the Bible. Why? Here's the key word. For it does not, the word we love, submit. For it does not submit to God's law. Come under joyfully. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot. Here's the word we've been talking about this morning. Please, God. What does Romans chapter 12 tell us? Go on to Romans 12, 1 through 2. Famous verses. You probably have these cross-stitched on a pillow in your house. Here it is. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed. Don't get conformed and pressed into the world's mold, but be transformed, be, be changed from the inside out. How? By the renewal of your mind. How do you do that? You do it by the Word of God. If we're taking in garbage spiritually, we will spit out and live garbage spiritually. And by the way, did you notice in those verses there that he said this, present. <laughs> See, when you stand in awe of Jesus, you'll just present your life to him. 
When you really stand in awe, you go, wait a minute, I get this. You're running this, not me. Here's my life. You take it and you let it be. Whatever you want to do with my life, you use it for your glory. You present your bodies as what? Not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. See, in the Old Testament, they would kill the sacrifice and then sacrifice, right? New Testament's different. You're a living sacrifice. As you live, as I live, as we go, wherever we go, what we say, what we do, we are living for Christ. That some people that you encounter on a daily basis, you may be the only Jesus they ever read. We're to present our bodies. And how do we do that? We set our mind on the things of God and we get conformed to Him, not the world, as our mind gets renewed. Don't be carried away by air, church. I'm telling you, it's too easy. The enemy's out there. The smooth talkers are out there. Be careful. That's why Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 3 says it like this. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, you're saved is what he's saying. Seek, do this. It's interesting. I thought I just raised a hand and I just floated into heaven. No. That's not what happens. If then you've been raised with Christ, if you're truly saved, seek, do this. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set, shift, weld, rivet, focus on, missilock your minds. What we think on is what we act on. Set your mind on things that are godly, things above, not on things of this earth that are perishing, that will pass away. Why? For you have died spiritually, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. You probably wonder about this mind thing that we're talking about today. Well, lastly, Isaiah 26.3, you, God, will keep him, her, mankind in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because He trusts in you. You know, when I perform a funeral for an elderly person, or even a younger person, but typically more for the elderly, I often will hear this comment, they lived a well-lived life. What does that even mean? You know, because if you look through the lens of self, the well-lived will look like X. But if you look through the lens of the gospel, the well-lived will look like Y. See, church, it's so important that we don't get carried away by error. How we live, church, will be an overflow of the intimacy that we spend with God and in His Word. Make a note of that. How you live, how I live, will be an overflow, it'll be a billboard of the intimacy that we're either spending with Him and His Word or not spending with Him and His Word. It's impossible to conceal when you're deep in His Word. It's impossible to conceal when you're not deep in His Word. Remember, God will meet you where you boldly obey Him. God will meet you today where you boldly obey Him. And boldly obeying Him is not going along with the crowd. 
It's too easy to sit on our hands and go along with the crowd. Grow a spiritual backbone and do the right thing. Because you've got to remember, as you watch the movies, and the bank gets robbed, it's not just the guy with the gun that goes to jail. It's everybody that was involved. And God will hold us accountable for what we do and not do regarding the truth. Fight tenaciously, church, is my appeal. Fight tenaciously. Be on your guard. In every direction. Don't get carried away. It's too easy to get lured. Listen to the Spirit. Listen to His promptings. Don't get to the point like Samson was. Hey, the Philistines are coming. Wake up. I'll get up and I'll take them on. And he had no idea that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Don't live in Ichabod. Don't live in Ichabod where the glory of the Lord has departed. Don't live there. Fight, fight, fight for the truth. Fight, 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 and work on your salvation. Fight, fight, fight for the Word of God. We are in a truthless culture where Jesus is being attacked. Oh, we need some bold men and women that will stand up and stand for the truth of God's Word because Jesus is coming back. And I don't know about you, but I know this for me, that when He comes back, I want Him to find me faithful. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the pain, I want Him to find me faithful. And I pray you do too. Oh, church, don't be carried away by error. It's too easy. And may God have mercy on our souls. Father, we come before you today. Lord, we lift up your word. Your word is promised to us in the scriptures that it will not return void. So, God, whatever your word says, it will accomplish. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in power in this place. May we not be spiritually asleep at the wheel. May we not listen to the noise, but may we listen to your still small voice. Wherever you lead, whatever it costs, we will follow you at any and all cost, O oh God. O oh Lord, move in power. Don't allow us to rebel. Don't allow us to resist. Don't allow us to disobey. But soften our hearts right now. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.